The year is 1993. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book journeyman. I'm joined today by Dave, the comic book expert, who finally, finally has just broke out of Ravencroft after three months locked in an insane asylum. Dave, welcome back to My Marvelous Year. We've missed hey. you. Hey, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was a much needed relaxing stint. I I got the um I got the premium spa package at Ravencroft mm-hmm. actually, where they do uh, psychotherapy, they give you a little electroshock, and then they give you a nice little massage at the end. Uh, it's it's really all pretty nice. Cucumber um, but, water, you know, etc. Well, and here's the thing is I don't really like cucumbers, you know, but it's like I didn't want to complain, you know. But they put like, cucumbers they, on your eyes, and then they made you drink the water of the cucumbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there were cucumbers put a lot of places. It was that, mandatory honestly, cucumbers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. No, it was way too many cucumbers, frankly. Wouldn't be raving um, it, without it. I did leave that in my review. I gave him three cucumbers out of five. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, it was enjoyable, but I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back talking all things Marvel Comics 1993. We are on to a new year, a big year in Marvel history. Today, we're going to be talking Venom, Lethal Protector, Maximum Carnage, the event, and... Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 200, by fan vote, right? By popular My Marvel This Year Patreon support vote. We didn't put this to a vote, but they but they voted and demanded we include this issue anyway, and I'm glad that we did. Zach, I, I have another thing yeah, that I want to tell you that I, I think you know well, um, but you know what our podcast is literally better at than any other podcast? Uh, Do you being know? perfectly timed with whatever's happening <laughs> yes. in mass media, ac- <laughs> like absolutely accidentally. By by total accident, we have the best recording timing. Not issue, re- not episode release timing, but yeah, recording sure. timing. <laughs> That's a good point. Of- <laughs> we- <laughs> that variant cover we recorded that came out like uh, something like six weeks after you know the Substack. Uh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Announcement. Yeah. It shows still. That. We that's going to come out after. No, no. It'll, guess, it'll have just come out before uh, yeah, before this yeah, one. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. No, that one's a little delayed. But we're recording this Venom special, this Maximum, all the symbiote right stuff going on mm-hmm. in Marvel Comics yeah. in 1993 as the weekend of Venom Two. Let there be carnage out in theaters right now. Uh, I haven't seen it. I gotta say, Zach. So I'm I'm not really in a place where I like want to go sit in a theater and you know with with the pandemic right and with little kids yeah, who can't yeah, get vaccinated yeah, it concerns me um but I'm actually more I'm feeling more like I kind of want to go see Venom more than I did with Shang-Chi which isn't I, do, I want to be clear wild, I'm not knocking wild. Shang-Chi it just sounds more fun it just sounds like this weird goofy fun time but l- let's let's get into the the comics because we don't actually yeah, have well, that, that actually, movie that commentary tell- other than this amazing timing yeah, that, that does tell into kind of how I wanted to, to frame this a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a little wild. We're reading um, Venom Lethal Protector. Stan Lee writes a intro letter at the first issue Whoa. of this comic. Well, we got to talk about it, this intro letter. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's talking about like, you never know who's going to become a cult hit. You know, we write Venom and then all of a sudden he's the biggest deal. And here you go. He's, you know. Whatever, like Let, they're just saying. Let's they, emphasize they that royal we. I want to emphasize that. Royal oh yeah, that's we a good that point. Stan takes on that one, right? He's <laughs> like Marvel created make... Venom. Marvel, yeah, Marvel. David Michelinie, right? Yeah. Todd McFarlane over at Image is spinning in his grave. But go ahead. Yeah, it, it's David Michelinie, right? He's uh, it's him and Michelinie and McFarlane. Yeah, 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 right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. But you know, he's just talking about whatever. Venom's taken off. It's a cult favorite. Okay, Venom. Do, do you like Venom? This is this is my my big question for you. Do you like yeah. Venom? Yeah, no, I do. I do. Um, Venom I, guy? I like I like Venom in concept and in ethos more than I like specific Venom comics. A lot of times, although kind of like especially this about... '90s blend, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of how like we sometimes feel about Spider-Man. <laughs> I think. Um. No. Like, no. Yeah, actually, I... it's it's honestly very different because I really like the character. 
of Peter Parker, and I like the stories that are told there. I don't really like the character of Eddie Brock. I don't really mm-hmm. have affinity and affection for that character, but when I think about Venom as a property, um, mm-hmm. I like the look. I mean, I, I was a kid in the 90s. I love the look. I love the aesthetic. And I also, there's modern runs, Reminder on Venom, um, uh, Donny Cates. Cates and Ryan Stegman yeah. most recently. Like, there's there's Venom comics that I've been, that I've enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Okay, I mean, for me, it is a little like Spider-Man. I don't like him as much as Spider-Man, but it is like, I almost like him more than the comics he's in. Like, Spider-Man has tons of great comics, but he also mm. just has a, a lot of, you know, we talk about it. He's pretty stale, like, often, um, and spins his wheels. So, like, Venom runs out of juice for me pretty quickly, even if I kind of like the character and the concept. And there are, like, fun moments, and then there are spe- specific runs that jump out to me. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I think we're both we're both fans of Venom then. Here's the the question I have for you then. Are you a fan of just symbiotes in general, like Carnage included? <laughs> yeah. So I don't totally understand symbiote culture. <laughs> I gotta, like, yeah. like, I don't totally get it. I think fans that are really into symbiotes, of which Wait, there are, are there? many. That, that, okay, that was my next question. Are there oh, other people who are into this? Is this a thing? There's, that- there's a whole symbiote culture, absolutely. Like, there are fans who are just totally obsessed with all things symbiote. And I think Venom, yes. Carnage, maybe. Everything else, <laughs> I check out real quick. And we get a little mm-hmm. bit of that everything else and kind of the the thinking and the development there in Venom Lethal Protector. Um, I Again, it's one of those things where I love the look. I love the design. I love what artists can do with that. Once you get out of the character of Venom and, and Carnage specifically, it all begins to feel like a, a bit much. Where, where do you stand on? I, I could care less about the rest of the symbiotes. Like in symbiote, yeah. like lore in general, uh, up until the Donny Kate stuff, the Donny Kate stuff made it kind of fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, without getting into it, like fleshing out the backstory of the symbiotes, that stuff can be fun, even though it got uh, overbearing after a while. But well, that's, um, the, that's one of the funniest things about where Venom comes from. Mm-hmm. is when you, you know, because just where we're at in Marvel history, right? No spoilers for what's to come. Um, the fact that the suit originates just as like a fun costume change during Secret Wars, which is mm-hmm. the furthest thing from having anything to do with Venom, yet it's the origin. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah. sort of this thing where like the story that Michelinie and McFarlane are telling has nothing to do in in a lot of ways with like the fact that this was picked up on battle world <laughs> this like oh, nothing, mysterious yeah. alien nothing. planet you know um so yeah there's there's definitely a disconnect there i mean i do think i, I think the questions you're asking are clearly sort of uh, around, based around this fact that like venom lethal protector six issues maximum mm-hmm. carnage 14 parts so venom lethal these protector. stories <laughs> Venom makes sense to me, right? Like, Venom's getting big. Venom's become a character. Everyone wants to see in Spider-Man. I mm-hmm. see him spinning off. I get that. We had Maximum, or we had Carnage last year, 1992. We had the Carnage mm-hmm. story. And apparently they're just like, well, everyone's hot enough for Carnage that let's do a 14-issue crossover in the year after, right? Like, everyone loves Carnage enough to do this. And I'm like, that's, I'm just that's... genuinely curious if that's true. Like, and they, you know, they did a Super Nintendo game for it. Like, this was... right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a big thing for a while. And Carnage Carnage, just Carnage like... gets too big too quickly, I think, for mm-hmm. sure. But it, it yeah. does reflect where comics are at right now. 1993, we're not yet... We're, we're in that weird middle stage where artists are driving sales in a way they kind of never have before, right? With the image guys and the image exodus being like, fans are onto artists and just stuff looking cool. Yeah, and designs yeah, yeah. in a way and marvel's like like not surprisingly they're like okay this is leading to sales venom is our hottest property look how spawn is selling it's selling like hotcakes venom looks exactly like spawn um let's let's capitalize on that and then carnage is like okay how do we capitalize on the look and this focus on artists but also capitalize on the rising trend of increased violence of as uh, Nola Fowl points out in a, a really good vulture piece on the history of Carnage of like the Silence of the Lambs being a huge thing on like serial mm-hmm. killers being a big wave right this whole how do we make Venom a quote unquote scary bad guy for Spider Man scarier and more violent and more murderous right and that's obviously where Carnage comes from I mean um, not to mention the direction Batman was taking like with the Killing Joke and then 
the following comics with that. This is what's happening. It's all post War Miller Joker. Yeah, the the Joker is becoming you know the the mass murdering serial killer instead of the kind of yeah goofy guy who goes and sprays a bunch of people at the bank with laughing gas. Right, like he's starting to get particularly gory and violent uh, over yeah. at DC. So this, yeah, this Carn- is Carnage that. is Jokerized Venom, right? It, yeah. It's it's Joker yeah. Venom. Just saying, I don't <laughs> I don't care how many people I kill, and and that that is the scary part of carnage or supposed to be um supposedly so i i get where all that's coming from i get the rush to capitalize on it um i don't necessarily fault or really have a problem with any of that honestly i just think um it's it's a tricky proposition for carnage to support but let's let's start with venom lethal protector um because this is this one to me is a lot more interesting because it's actually based on some pretty good impulses i think and then the miniseries is is frankly quite weird uh so we got writer david mcliney pencils by mark bagley originally i think ron lim takes over by the end and i yeah I tend it, to prefer and it seems the lim take over i don't know the um i don't know what's happening here but uh with you know why lim had to take over but to my eye i would guess something happened where like bagley was not able to finish it and lim had to come in in a rush because it's some of lim's most like boring stayed work yeah, it's nowhere it's nowhere near as good as his starlin thanos collaborations for sure i do also want to yeah. call out colorist marie javins uh now editor-in-chief oh, yeah. of dc okay. comics that's super cool <laughs> i lo- always love seeing her name on stuff um but yeah. venom lethal protector so it launches here and it is at this point where venom needs uh some rejuvenation right they sort of need to define venom beyond a spider-man villain because they've we've read that right in the my Marvel this year club we've read that arc essentially from I hate Spider-Man, I want to kill him, to I'm going to bring him to an island to kill him, to, oh, hey, here, Carnage is here, and we kind of need to work together because Carnage is worse than both of us, right? And it's mm-hmm. Venom Lethal Protector becomes the miniseries that really cements the anti-hero potential of Venom and of Eddie Brock. And I think it is a smart choice, ultimately. Uh, it, it gives Venom legs that the character didn't necessarily have uh, before this. As a story, though, it is it all comes together by the end, but it is a weird muddle of events. You know, it's, like it it's takes... kind of stock standard. Like here's a big a handful of bad, you know, organized criminals and some, uh, you know, corporate interests that are driving out the homeless. Because Venom's new thing is protecting innocent. Yeah, right. That that's his his very you know, stated purpose. He's the lethal protector, the protector of innocence, etc. And we and, see uh, the opening sequence is, you know, a woman is going to be mugged and, and the implication is sexually assaulted in an alley. Uh, Venom swings in and saves her, right? Doing the hero thing and then swings away very comically, very jauntily. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, this is what I, want, I wanted to talk about because I, I think the story here is pretty boring, honestly. Um, like overall, like I thought the plot of this is kind of a big nothing to mm-hmm. me. But and Marvel Unlimited is not working to <laughs> open the comic for me so i can pull up the quote uh, yeah the, the way he swings away is very theatrical and very campy he he like hams it up for the camera right yeah. when he's like <laughs> handing her back her purse and then he says something along the lines of like oh here's a second i, I got it because I, I, I want the exact wording it's really funny um it is test out my new marker thing here um oh my god move so slow now uh <laughs> no please there's no need to thank us your joy is reward enough and sends me happily on my way as he like swings away smiling mm-hmm. which is which is really funny um what, what was the other thing he uh well that's the part yeah, i can't i can't that's the part but he has this like movies kind of... that people have really i think celebrated which is yeah the, the there's a campiness element. and a goofiness yeah. to the venom symbiote relationship and that that's here right that's right here in venom lethal protector in and I, I mean camp literally in the way big, that like you know, first miniseries when I say camp, I mean literally, like, there is a touch of gay coding to the way that Venom talks. <laughs> Did you get that? Like, and he, he uses these big flowery $10 words. And it's a very 90s way of gay coding. But, like, it, it is a very, like, um, like just a, a Shakespearean way of speaking. And he's just very, like, uh, cheerful. And I, I don't know. I, I think there's there's something to that. Um, it's really funny. Like, and it that, kind That's of makes definitely sense. not something I would have picked up on here personally but that is definitely yeah. a read the relation you know sort of the the literal symbiosis between the I, symbiote I, and eddie brock i mean there's a there's definitely a reading and a, a fandom around sort of the the relationship yeah i, I don't actually that that see implies. 
I don't codes. really see it with the relationship, just kind of in the uh, the tone of the like the the prose that Michelini is using for mm. Venom when he talks, because it, it's a little sillier than like him just being you know like superhero quips, right? Like he has this strange like it, it's a little like Beast almost, right? Like he just kind of is trying to do like fun puns and wordplay and uh like these these big declaratory statements that feel very like yeah feel very theatrical and uh, theaterish. I guess I read it more as, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I read it more as a wrong. big bad guy's idea of how superheroes behave. Mm, yeah, that's right? a fun way of thinking Which of it is, too. Which is, you yeah. know, kind yeah. of that, that like, they don't actually, this doesn't come naturally. So they're like, thank you, citizen. You know, just a do-gooder yeah, yeah, doing my sure, job, right? Sort of sure, a, a parody yeah. of And, and of it's, a, it's not a natural fit for him because he's so big and scary. <laughs> right, that, like, right, and he, he still looks terrifying. He has sharp teeth and yeah. tongues, and nobody's going to actually stand there and thank him. Um, but so, yes, you're right. So he's he's protecting the innocents as he's doing this. He discovers uh, in under under San Francisco there is a secret city for the homeless, <laughs> effectively. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, Eddie and Venom find this place, and they f- find what they hope could be a home for them. Uh, and then also, of course, like you said, there's the big uh, sort of corporate stock standard you know corporate's going to push him out because they're they want to make money and they're gonna they don't care who gets hurt in the process the twist is literally just like let's use giant robots to like drill holes into homeless people (laughs) right like yeah let's use transformers to just like mercilessly slaughter homeless people (laughs) like it is not subtle at all that whole thread is not my fave (laughs) Mm -hmm. but where where it really takes a twist is when Lethal Protector suddenly takes a turn and introduces the Life Foundation and actually starts to give us some details and building out of what we were talking about at the front end of this, which was more symbiotes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's... I don't think these these plots integrate super well. Like, I feel like there's two three-issue miniseries in Lethal Protector, you know, where it's like one is Venom becoming an anti-hero and protecting the innocence of underground san francisco and then two is oh my gosh there's a million symbiotes right Uh, from the Mm -hmm. life foundation because this this life foundation creation of five additional symbiotes okay so they basically like they take the idea of like okay so we got carnage out of venom uh we're also going to now manufacture like five more that we can control essentially. Mm-hmm. And these symbiotes have a presence. Like we're recording this in 2021 when there's an event, Extreme Carnage, this summer. It's a small event for Marvel, but it's like it's tapping into Scream and some of these symbiotes that come out of this. I don't even think they're named at this point in time, but these characters have some life, okay? Scream, Agony, Phage, Riot, and Lasher. <laughs> Okay, and they pop up every now and again, and they have fandom. Um, and right now, I would say in Lethal Protector, they're purely just like, "Hey, what uh, what other designs can we do? What other fun mm-hmm. things yeah. can we do?" Uh, like Carnage, none of them have, none of them have like a, a core to the point of knowing them. But the idea is, hey, we can run out a whole bunch of wild looking symbiotes and and sell a whole bunch more toys all right Dave, you know? here i got an idea for you what if you had a symbiote okay do picture that big teeth kind of the big spider-man looking eyes gooey gooey body right yep, yep, do, you, do yep. you see it do you see it i see it blue love it this one's love this one's it blue. i like the color blue you know what i'm a sucker for a 90s electric blue if we could do that yep. i think yeah kind of like um, superman's new costume maybe put a big s on their chest i don't know yeah, you're, you're going symbiote. Too far. listen the idea begins and ends with blue okay that's what i'm putting out there yeah because that's yeah, kind of okay. what happens here <laughs> it's yeah. like and one of them is like uh he's got acid <laughs> like uh-huh and uh-huh. I don't even no, really know which one has acid. Yeah, right. No, it's, I, oh, you it's know what? No, far from inventive. I'm, I'm being unfair because there is one. The the, the female one <laughs> looks kind of cool scream. with the big, the big hair. Yeah, Scream. Which also yeah. like immediately followed up by introducing a Shriek. And that's a little confusing. But yeah, Scream, well, that's scream looks Carnage, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, this is, this is, that's the other thing about 1993 and sort of this era is this is the era of creating a billion characters and just using um, adjectives or proper nouns to to name them right you know mm-hmm. so you just like it's it's that liefeld school of hey i'm just going to create a billion characters and none of them are going to have a a like a shred of story to them 
but they're going to have a fun sounding name and they're going to look cool. Uh, and that's that's basically what's happening with the symbiotes here. Um, I would say that's the biggest lasting, like the lasting legacies of Lethal Protector are Venom anti-hero. This whole idea of him protecting the innocents, which, which remains which for good. some time. That's something, that's something that you know I could feel. I feel like it's a direction. Yeah. It it also it again it gives Eddie Brock a little bit of depth, you know, which is mm-hmm. I think a thing here because there's there's also a fair amount here of like Spider Man goes and visits Eddie Brock's dad and tries to learn more about him and stuff like that. So they're they're building who Eddie Brock is. We learn a little bit that he's had you know a bad relationship with a really bad father. Um, I. It's all pretty stock standard stuff, but like it is, but it also there. like it is kind of okay. necessary because to this point he's just the really cool big monster who wants to hunt and kill Spider Man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're gonna actually say Eddie Brock gets a trillion mini, because that so that's the <laughs> the thing we haven't mentioned right now is Venom Lethal Protector kicks off approximately seventy four thousand Venom miniseries throughout the nineties, right? Like Marvel, yeah. they don't just go all in like they like base the spider-man line around <laughs> venom miniseries yeah i think al, al kennedy and i like listed these and there's a couple dozen in the next decade it's right? a lot like, it some, is a lot something, at, at least like 15 uh between now and 2000 and unless you're a venomaniac there's not a one of those that stands out as like oh this is the classic oh and, yeah, and i'm sure people weird. are screaming the venom fans but like there aren't if you just look at like generally recognized canon and celebrated marvel stories there's not like a craven's last hunt in there you know i mean i'm, I'm sure I'm some are better through, than others but there's i'm not looking like a through this list gem. again and none of them jump out is one that i've even heard of right and that you know just that in itself should be a, a they don't they don't knock out a killing joke right they don't they don't yeah exactly land on like yeah. oh and uh and and alan moore came in and there's this amazing venom story right yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all kind of of a it's all kind of, of wait, a piece wait, which i you know that what i just said Maybe is somewhat fair, somewhat unfair, because like Elector Assassin, people don't talk about that, and that's you know I think an incredible piece of work. Well, but people don't uh, talk about it like in grocery stores, but like if you're looking at recognized classics, like and you're you're studying comics even a little, it might come up. Uh, mm, Mid '90s yeah. Venom stuff, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I think Lethal Protector because it's first because it establishes some of this stuff. Um, it's most likely to come up, and it's also like that's why it's the one. That I'm gonna focus on, um, unless unless we get some great MMY fandom, and you can support us over at Patreon.com/slash/MyMarvel this year if you are included among those numbers. <laughs> yeah. um, unless we get somebody saying like, you have to reread Venom: Separation Anxiety, or you know, one of those, <laughs> or something like that. Like, I'll I'll listen. It's fair. Like, I sure. I'm if I here's the thing is like I'm a guide for a lot of folks on what comics to read. I I need a little guide on some of this Venom Madness because I don't want to read all these. Every time I've started them, I've quickly checked out, but maybe I've maybe I've missed one as a result. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so, I mean, the, the things that Venom, like, adds here, we talked about a little bit. The, the silliness, the slight silliness, I think, is key. Well, that's been there, I would say. I, I don't know. Has he been this, like, punny and, um, like, and silly, like, in the way he yeah, like, talks? I, Has he been so I mean, quippy? we talked... Like, maybe maybe not quite so much. But... I mean, Michelinie's written... Obviously, create Venom, right? Co-created Venom. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about in the debut of Venom how it's this cool design, but there's also sort of a goofy charm to the character. Um, I, I don't. I, yeah, it's an interesting question if it's point. been quite on this yeah. level. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, at least to me, that's that stood out, and I think that's like pretty important to not have this turn into Carnage, who I think doesn't work as a character, and we'll get to this, but purely because it is just so, you know, like. Uh, edgy and violent and there's no sense of humor to carnage or at least the sense of humor that's there just has does nothing for me and like does not appeal to me at all yeah um that and then the relationship between eddie and the symbiote is starting to get talked about like eddie's referring to us and you know like th- th- there seems to be like there's something between the two of them like they they have a, a bond here and it's more than he's just wearing a costume that gives him powers like it is two beings together um I, I think that's that, a good point Interesting, yeah. and that gives the character some legs, I think, and some room to play with. <clears throat> Speaking of legs yeah. and room to play with, Zach. <laughs> uh, incredible. I know where you're going in this. That Thank you. Very good. Very good. Support for My Marvelous Year is brought to you by Manscaped, the best mm-hmm. in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped <laughs> offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MYMYMY 
at manscaped.com. Seriously, all you have to do is you go to manscaped.com. You check out uh, their lawnmower, which is for grooming below the waist. Uh, you could check out a, a nose trimmer, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. You enter the code MY at checkout. You get a really nice 20% off. Um, Zach, we, we tried some Manscaped product. What what was your experience? What did you think? Well, I did more than try. <laughs> did you just try? <laughs> <laughs> Tried and failed. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they they were nice enough to send us uh, send us a package of the lawnmower 4.0 and uh, which is their their trimmer, a weed whacker, their nose hair trimmer, and uh, in a couple like creams. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's ball like, deodorant and uh, and toner. Ball ball yeah, yeah. toner, yeah. Which you know what? Uh, yeah, having it on my shelf is a, it's a conversation piece. I'd say um, for sure. Now, you know what though? I I quite like the deodorant. As a yeah, as a nice. man, yeah, yeah. as a man with with yeah. tree trunk thighs, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking we're talking redwoods, right? Chafing does occur. Chafing does occur, and a nice deodorant is good. Uh, the toner makes me laugh. The toner just makes me laugh. Uh, but it does smell really nice. <laughs> yeah, they they, they, they <laughs> are pleasantly scented. Okay, yeah. so I I was I, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but I've, I've never been sure so, someone to manscape. Uh, but we got this, and I was like, I'm gonna give it give it the old college try. Mm-hmm. Dave, I'm never going back. My college tries were so much worse than this. My college tries were <laughs> disastrous. Yeah. Okay. These products yeah. like here's the thing is like, yes, I was I was in the same camp as you. These products are so nice. <laughs> like they're really, really nice equipment. Um I got it the nose trimmer in particular. Like I've wanted a good nose trimmer forever, but never thought to myself I should invest in one. This thing mm-hmm. just looks nice. It feels nice. And it is so much more effective. Like, I'm basically Medusa of the Inhumans, but with nose hairs at this point <laughs> in my life. Yeah, and I know. This like nose trimmer 30, was great. 30 to 33 has really done that to me as well. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's, it's, like, really no, it's like the hair does not grow on the top of the head. It just comes out of the nose. And uh, and this nose trimmer is great. Um, and, and everything else, too. Like, the, the below-the-waist grooming, like... It is much safer. <laughs> it is much cleaner yeah. than anything I've ever tried before. Uh, and Zach, the little spotlight on the on the below the waist groomer. Come on! Whoa! I didn't great. notice that. Yeah, it's amazing. I had no idea. Oh, I see it now in the images. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, it, it works really well. No, I didn't nick myself, which is kind of wild. And then, yeah, it's kind of pleasant. It's kind of a pleasant experience. And you know, you get the um, the the different heights for trimming. So you know, you don't have to do the boiled <clears throat> the boiled egg look. Right, you can do the or uh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, right? You're not just gonna like. I couldn't think know, of like, something else. Oh, the kiwi look. You could do the kiwi look. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> if you want it. Yeah, absolutely. No, you get different. You get different. It's basically it's basically a hair trimmer, but it's designed. And, and, and listen, Dave. May I may I rewrite all of Manscaping's um, you know entire marketing for them? I don't think you have to be a man to use this product. Yeah, right. I I, I think no matter what you know, gender identity or genitals you have, I think this would work just fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's pretty functional. So yeah, uh, I I recommend it. I, I I wanted to try it before we uh, talked about it, and they were nice nice enough to send us both uh, the package here. Yeah, for our packages. And uh, I think yeah. both of us were were genuinely pleasantly yeah. surprised with the performance here, and uh, and and honestly quite like the product. I'm going to continue using them. Uh, yeah, regardless of sponsorship here, but obviously we're quite excited to have them sponsoring the show. And uh, you know, if you would like to check out what they got there again whether it's below the waist whether it's a nose trimmer they got some other nice stuff there like zach mentioned some of the creams you can get 20 percent off manscape.com enter code my my at checkout and uh and then they'll know they'll know we have real listeners we have yeah real please fans. If, you, if, <laughs> if you're gonna go to their website and uh, and buy something and you don't use the code what's the what's the point what is the point for for Why'd me at it? least what's the point <laughs> Right, right. If it doesn't yes. benefit us specifically, why did mm-hmm. you do it? Uh, but seriously, thanks so much and uh, for listening, and thanks to Manscaped for the sponsorship. And now, back to the show. Okay, so the uh, the other question about Carnage that I have for you. So I kind of asked you, um, you know, like, you like Venom? Do you like Carnage that much? Do you think Carnage uh-huh. looks uh-huh. cool? Because I think we're both in agreement that Venom looks really cool. And we should actually talk about Mark Bagley. We, we brushed right over him. He draws a good Venom. He draws a great yeah. Venom. And Lethal Projector, yeah. like... He's doing some, like the cover work is cool. The inside, like his Venom is awesome. Do you think Carnage? It is funny cool? how much, it, yeah, oh, it is funny how much we talk about Bagley um, when we did the My Ultimate Year stuff, right? In the early Ultimate Spider-Man, the 2000s. Yeah. But yeah, how yeah. how little I think I even understood it. Like I knew he co-created Carnage, um, yeah. but like he's a real name driving the symbiote line. And, uh, mm-hmm, and he's so mm-hmm. stylistically different from McFarlane or from Eric Larson. You know, these artists or who kind from, of. Or from Mark Bagley from Ultimate Spider-Man. Like uh, in some ways, ultimate, yeah. 
that ultimate spider-man run like he's so he's got this like um it's really really stylized in like a kind of a cartoony way like everyone's got like big heads and skinny joints right uh-huh. <laughs> and like uh-huh there's just a really specific like look to, to to his art that immediately jumps out and you're like that's mark bagley's work like especially you look at those eyes and you're like that's yeah, mark bagley right. i don't see that here like i don't get it here it's great like it works really well but it is hewing closer to kind of a a, a mainstream look for a lack mm-hmm. of a better word the house style um but look what he's doing there is at such a high tier especially with venom venom looks so cool here especially and, you know, I'm sorry, Lim has gotten so much praise from us that I don't feel bad doing this, especially compared to Ron Lim's Venom when he comes in, because mm. it just looks kind of fine, you know, it's kind of yeah. boring. And, yeah, yeah. no, um, I'm, I'm well, here with you on that. But all right, what was your what was your Carnage question? You think he looks cool? Like, not even the character, but like, <laughs> not, you know, the overall idea of the character. Just do you think he looks cool? Because I don't and I don't really I can't square that in my head because I think Venom looks cool <laughs> and they look very similar to me. Yeah. But there's something about Carnage that doesn't like. You know, tickle so the the teenage boy in me. Here, here's what <laughs> tickle the well, teenage boy in me. Dave. He's already he's already in prison for a lot of a lot of crimes. <laughs> so I don't know if we need to add that to his resume. Um, the things that are cool about Carnage: red and black coloring, love it. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Good symbiote edition. Pops on the page. Also, yep. liquid swords and axes. The fact that he turns his tendrils into medieval weaponry, love it. Cool as heck. Doesn't always doesn't works do for, me. for me. Makes for a really great toy. When you run on over to KB Toys, you tell mm-hmm. me you're not getting the Carnage with the axe hands, right? Um, I like Carnage a lot <laughs> on that <clears throat> '90s kid level. I think otherwise, though, like I, I it, Carnage. Here's the thing, too. Like Carnage of the late 2000s and to present can be as stylized, stylistically riveting. And artistically pleasing as as Venom, and I would, probably more so because I think the the way there's an impulse with Venom to emphasize the teeth and the tongue, there's a way with Carnage, there's a, a um, an idea to ben- to uh, focus on just the tendrils going everywhere and just the gooiness and the the snake like mm-hmm. nature of of the symbiote. Uh, yeah. I think that pops with Carnage in a way that is actually pretty cool. I don't actually find Carnage scary in the way that I think this event should make you feel. You know, because like, so here's the thing about Maximum Carnage. It is what it says on the tin, right? It is a massacre. Like, it is grossly violent um, for any comic standards. But like, this is, you know, this comes out in 1993. This is approaching like 2000's Ultimate Line levels of violence, right? Where you have Mark Miller being like, hey, how do we, how do we sell the violence here? Oh, let's say 40,000 people died or something, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. these, these I mean, mass We had tragedies. this last year with Carnage as well. It did the same thing where it was just like... <clears throat> You know, as an aside, he's just walking into a diner and it's just like 32 people slaughtered, including babies, mostly yeah. babies, you know, like I, I <laughs> he did. <laughs> Why were so many babies dining? Like, like, was he there did, a table like, of five babies? He did chuck a baby off of a building, which was like, maybe that's, that's uh, like maybe shocking the, actually that that's in a Yeah, that, that might've been the one moment that actually like affected me and like hit me because the the violence here does like nothing for me it doesn't hit whatsoever and normally and normally you are absolutely enthused I, by violence right oh, like I you are getting off on it for yeah. car- <laughs> well, no, i was gonna say carnage but i didn't mean in, i mean in the other way um uh-huh. <clears throat> no it, 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 okay yeah we should talk about the like the violence in general right because that's that's the big thing to carnage and that's we watch him just go on a killing spree for 14 issues here uh-huh. it's, it's a huge part of this and I think it is so boring. It's mm-hmm. so boring. Part of that is that I think just kind of like, a, it's kind of just like, what if a Kryptonian was killing a lot of people? He's mm. so super powered and he's just murdering tons of people. What if he just punched a million people to death? And it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I just like, I, I don't feel it at all, right? Like, it's not creatively done. You're not like, it's it's on such a large scale that it loses all sense of weight and humanity to it. Yeah. The other thing is it's not interesting or fun, right? Like uh-huh. because I I I'm I'm trying to be like you know not snobby about it and be like well all this needs to reflect like a common humanity and the the loss of life needs to be important, right? Like Evil Dead Two can be stupid and have like hyper gore to it, but it's like it's really creative, it's really well done, 
And like, this is not that. It's mostly off screen. It's mostly suggested. It's mostly just trying to be like, isn't that crazy that he's just killing people in the park, right? For for fun. Right. Right. So like, th- there's no like, there's nothing. There's like not much there there <laughs> for me. So to, so like, I onto. I agree completely. Um, I think yeah. you know we were probably. You know, critical of, of Venom Lethal Protector, because I don't think it's some masterclass or classic. It is much better than Maximum Carnage. Um, Maximum well, the, Carnage. The character stuff works. There, there's a lot of good yeah. character work. Well, and yeah. there's a point to it, right? There's there's a point <clears throat> yeah. to developing a handful of things that'll that'll go on to be part of Venom's story. Um, Maximum Carnage is a sale spectacular. It is 14 issues. Probably three or four would have sufficed. Um, or five, I guess, if you want it. There, there's five Spider-Man series ongoing right now, right? So each one of them. Wild. Gets a tie-in, <laughs> and then it ends at fourteen instead of including the instead of the the round fifteen. Um, mm-hmm. But so each you know so each Spidey issue is a part of this event. It is massive. It does not need to be this long. And the biggest thing to your point is Carnage. It's all about the massacre, and it's about this senseless violence and how much Carnage and his growing team. It's a lot of growing teams in this. It's kind of like the point of it. Um, it how much they're getting off on the violence, but it's it's never really scary it's never really tragic because it's all just faceless kind of not built up situations and i think you know to the biggest thing that you're saying there is like there are ways to tell an artistically visually stimulating story that is generally just dumb violence right there are lots of movies and video games where this is kind of the point right um but you can get creative and inventive some like uh I don't know, like a Steve Dillon doing this, right? Sure. Where I mean, you know, it, it's the '90s. They're not going to get hyper violent in the like actual drawings, right? They're not going to show carnage, you know, like cutting people in half and like you know actually like eating their brains and stuff. But you know, if you're if you're titillating on that level, right? Like it's it, it might not be the my favorite thing, right? But at least like that would be fun and creative in some. Yeah, like there has to be something here that like is creatively stimulating to me. Besides, well, right, just, and the, the irony. The irony of that, too, is like, so we're talking about the 90s being an artist showcase, mm-hmm. and Carnage just wreaking havoc would be an opportunity for that. But these Spider-Man mm-hmm. issues all play like standard Spider-Man stock and trade issues. Spider-Man yeah. issues. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. there's there's nothing really done with the meat, not nothing, but like not a lot done with the medium and with the potential to tell the story. I mean, I think, you know, the the if this story was told now, which in a lot of ways it was. There's an absolute carnage event in 2019. That comic looks amazing. Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer on colors, they take full advantage of the color scheme and the ethos of carnage. Uh, Maximum Carnage does not, and I would actually mm-hmm. say that's the biggest knock on it. I mean, you've got Ron Lim on Spider-Man Unlimited. You've got Alex Savoak on Web of Spider-Man, who I don't know otherwise. You've got Mark Bagley on Amazing Spider-Man, who I is probably my favorite here. You've got Tom Lyle on Spider-Man, adjectiveless, and then you've got Sal Buscema, still kicking. Way to go, Sal! On Spectacular yeah. Spider-Man, um, two hundred one is the the first time here in the Maximum Carnage event. It's just like, you know, part of this I think is probably like you know losing the image people, right? Like if Todd McFarlane was still around in that alternate reality where Image Comics doesn't get founded and go through, maybe we have a, a slightly different perspective on like. Hey, this is dumb, but it looks cool as hell, and it's like it doesn't mm-hmm. even really sure. have that going forward. Hey, well, know? you know what? I, I do want to say. I think the artwork across the event looks good. I think it looks good. I think it's just what it's choosing to focus on that is, like, the real lacking. I think it's fine. It's it's just not... It doesn't capitalize on this being a capital I I quite like Sal Buscema on... uh, Well, we kind of skipped it, but we'll get back to it. Spider-Man 200. I really liked his art in Spider-Man 200. A lot. I I like it a lot on that comic. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Lyle doing a couple issues here. Like, he has some fun splash pages here. And, like, they look nice, but, like, they just don't serve the story all that well. So like I, I want to and you know what coloring is starting to change I think I feel like we're in the era of some kind of like shift in coloring because the colors are really starting to pop and the pages are getting really vibrant without being oversaturated so like all the reds and blues and oranges on the page are starting to like really jump out I wonder if that is modern digital recoloring as opposed to it's a good point. The yeah. era. Because <laughs> Maximum I, Carnage I, is a massively reproduced work, right? This yeah, is something yeah, yeah. that sells, right? It is a name that uh, if you know anything about Carnage in Spider-Man comics, you probably know about Maximum Carnage, whether you've read it or not. You know what I mean? So I that that might actually be a, 
a digital reproduction thing. I could be wrong. I don't, I'm not an expert on the matter. I'll try to find like an original scan of it. See what yeah. it looks like. Yeah. But I mean, so plot wise, you know, it's basically what we said. It's Carnage escapes from Ravencroft quickly, <laughs> rapidly. Uh, he starts to form uh, a romantic entanglement, super I guess, yeah. oh, with, yeah. with Shriek. And then, yes, no, they start to form a villainous supergroup with the Spider Doppelganger, which... I, do we have to explain Spider Doppelganger? Does I don't this, remember does this Spider. Need to happen? I, I, I like. I, I think we've seen him, but I couldn't quite remember. Spider Doppelganger is an alien who oh, Infinity War, yes, from yes, Infinity yes. War, who looks mm-hmm. like Spider Man. That's right. And ha- but has the um the Spider Man one hundred you know multiple arms things. Uh, I don't know that Spider Doppelganger can speak. You know, it's kind of like a dog like intellect. Uh, yeah. And uh, this so stop, the wildest thing about Doppelganger is I think this character died. In Infinity War, but then it was like he was um, resurrected somehow. <laughs> yeah, later, uh, you know, by the demo goblin. Doppelganger was killed by during the Infinity War by the hobgoblin. He was mystically revived by the demo goblin, uh-huh. uh huh, okay, who shows up here de- as well. There, there's a the fair demo amount of goblin. like demo, demo, demo goblin, demon, demon, demo goblin. I mean, yeah. demo would be a, a cooler way to make it sound like demon. A demo goblin yeah. is just like is the is the guy on every uh, street corner trying to hand you a mixtape that you don't want. That's the demo yeah. goblin. <laughs> this guy we missed the intro of. I guess he uh, he came in. We didn't read it. We didn't read it. Yeah, in, uh, Spider-Man in the last club. Year. Yeah, yeah. There's he a looks reason cool, for it. but I don't I don't have much connection to him. But he kind of looks neat. Although, like, I think it would look cooler if he wasn't just like it's weirdly just the green goblin, but slightly different. Like, it's a new skin on that character, <laughs> right? Like in uh-huh. a video game, if you're playing with the green goblin, you can. Switch there's a whole the wave. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole wave of '90s goblins that yeah. are bad and disinteresting. <laughs> post <laughs> post green goblin and hop goblin. Um it's kind of like the symbiotes where they're just like, "Hey, what if we just start putting adjectives in front of the goblin?" Um it, so Maximum Carnage, he starts forming his supergroup. They go on a massacre rampage, you know, breaking out of town, and then Spider-Man has to try and stop them. So Spider-Man, Peter Parker, he quickly breaks some ribs, so he's hurt throughout the whole thing, which is a classic Spider-Man Batman thing, right? They're not only are they trying to stop the criminal, but they have broken ribs. You know, I, I for the longest time, Zach, I assumed that broken ribs were like twisting your ankle <laughs> because it happens so much in comics. I was like, oh, it must just be like you put some ice on it. You're fine. Yeah, uh, I'll no. break my ribs one day, I'm sure. You know, just yeah, yeah. No, it, it yeah, is. Yeah. It, I, from what I hear, it is way more painful than that. Um, Spider-Man starts to form sort of a super group of his own. Over the course of this issue, we weave in Cloak and Dagger. We Ugh. weave in a recently resurrected Iron Fist. <laughs> we weave in oh, Captain yeah. America eventually. Um, Black Cat shows up. Uh, probably some others that I'm missing. Um, Deathlock, actually, like oh, yeah. all these, big, it's just yeah. this weird hodgepodge, basically like who's available in New York City kind of thing, and then they all come together to try to stop Maximum Carnage, and it's literally just every issue is just kind of built with that of who's the new oh Venom, of course, as an anti-hero mm-hmm. here to stop Carnage, and it's just a build of like who's available, who can try to stop this massacre, and it goes on for. 14 issues um, until it finally it's crazy. ends. Crazy 14 issues. One of the funniest things about this is y- I think you posted it on Twitter <clears throat> this like oral history of Maximum Carnage with all the the people involved. Yeah. And I think it was like David McElhinney started the idea, but then he would be like, "Yeah, but you know, we didn't like plan anything out, so like issue by issue it was just being written and then, you know, I'd get back what had been written before my issue had to come back around and then I just have to adjust to what everyone else did." insane and you can just kind of tell everyone's just kind of spinning their wheels and just like because there's no larger plan to end it i guess they're just kind of like all right what's venom what what, what's carnage up to this issue and then they have to read what you know jmd mateus wrote last issue and then Uh you know adjust for that and then like you can tell it's totally rudderless right like i I think it's funny that they said that like it was a positive that kept them like light on their feet because it well i think creatively I think creatively, a lot of comics creators would view that as a really fun creative challenge. Like, that's what, like, the Commandi challenge was at DC, which led to some fun stories. Um, they did a Spider-Man thing, what was it, Full Circle at Marvel not that long ago, where it was, like, mm-hmm. Hickman and, uh, oh, I forget the artist now, it's a really good artist. They did a, a Spider-Man story, and, like, they left him, you know, thrown out of a space airlock, and then the next writer picks it up, and they have to figure out how to get him out of it kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's, like... I, on a creative level, I can see that challenge. I think the problem with Maximum Carnage is it doesn't lead to anything exciting. It doesn't lead to it doesn't lead to twists and turns. It all kind of plays just like the same the same story, but just adding new characters. Um, it's I, I feel like the thing that bugs me the most about a story this big and this well known mm-hmm. is 
it is so it is such a joyless affair it is such a it is such a chore to finish i mean it's not secret wars too bad you know no. in terms of the chore of it in terms of the homework of it but it's not that far off you know it is not that far off and it just feels like the sort of thing where it's like there's actually a story to be told here you know like this is this is not a disinteresting concept and an idea told through five or six issues um but it just it just never gets there it just never hits i i think the stuff that actually probably is the most compelling if you're not again just a big symbiote head and you love watching venom and carnage go at it or whatever is the the mj peter parker relationship stuff um which gives you a really good snapshot of their marriage and their constant bickering at this point in time around mj being like hey could you not go get killed for a week you know like could you not yeah and, and, and carnage is a, a good week? villain for that right he's yeah particularly lethal although like there's many times where carnage you know, has Peter Parker, like, with a blade wrapped around his neck, and it's just like, oh, I'm going to savor this moment, you know, and then doesn't do anything. Too too many times for my taste. Yeah. Um. You know what bothers me the most about this event? Shriek. Oh, I thought you were going to say MJ's chain smoking, and I was going to say... Oh, no, I, I think it. that's... Pr- I, I actually it. like that, that character <laughs> detail a lot, and I love that yeah. Peter's like, will you put that damn thing out? And she just goes, no. <laughs> and then keeps smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um. And, uh, oh, no, what, what bothers me is Shriek... Who, okay, it's a woman named Shriek. She's got, like, ultrasonic powers to, like, blast people with sound waves. Uh-huh. Her name is Shriek. Yep. Uh, you know, she, she screams at people. You'd think, no, she, like, puts her hands together and sound waves blast out of her closed palms. That's, yeah, yeah. What a insane decision. What a crazy <laughs> thing. I was losing my mind. I, like, the third time that happened, I was like, wait a minute. She's been screaming, right? And I had just imagined uh-huh. that it was her screaming because it's so, like, obvious that that was what it would be that I honestly, like, had imagined it the first couple of times. Yeah. Honestly, more nuts. convenient than Banshee, though. More convenient. Like, Banshee's just so obnoxious and screaming all the time. At least Shriek has more control over it, you know? <laughs> yes, you uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 very interesting. Also, Venom 2, like, Shriek is a big character. She, you know, it's her in Carnage. It's doing doing this whole thing here. So Naomi Harris is, uh, is yeah. Shriek. Is yeah, I mean, she's the... You know, I think probably Harley Quinn would be the most obvious example of a just this sort of really kind of abusive, violent relationship that characters mm-hmm. engage in. You know, between yeah. Carnage and Shriek, like Carnage is, you know, he's he's not some romantic softy, <laughs> right? It doesn't turn out like he's still serial killer Cletus Cassidy. Like he's he's as awful as ever, and Shriek is going along with it for the violence of it. You know, Shriek. You know, we should point out just in terms of the event, Shriek does also use her abilities to sort of amplify hate. In the city, so there's like a simultaneous like Jack Kirby Mad Bomb thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I here. thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah in New York where Silver everyone Age is. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and just everyone is like all the hate in the world is amplified as this massacre is going on. It do- that does lead to some nice moments towards the end where all of the the super group, the super team, is kind of going around and just stopping civilians. And there's one guy who's like looking in a mirror. And he's going to, like, smash it. And he's talking about how the world's out to get him and stuff. And then he sees Captain America standing next to him. And he just looks at him and looks down and just kind of hands him the rock. And is like, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. That's a nice touch. That's a nice little yeah. moment. Yeah, uh, but moment. Th- but those are, are somewhat few and far few between. Few and far between, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't... Maximum Carnage, I guess, if you love the symbiotes and you love 90s nostalgia, mm-hmm. I think sure. you do it once. Um. I, I don't know that there's like a great fast track. I mean, J.M. Dave Mateus is probably my favorite writer of the bunch. I guess I like Michael Liney well, as well. The, the thing is, you can. Yeah, I know. It's wild. Like, you can a, hop a great, around. A great pedigree <laughs> in this event. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you just skipped every other issue, you'd be fine and you'd know exactly what was going on. I it really would just think be like, so. yeah. You would jump in and you'd be like, oh, Carrion's here. Okay. And then you'd move along because, like, it, it's not like, um, it's not like a, a Jim Starlin event where it's just like, Oh, at this stage in the event, Thanos is this far into his plan. Right. These pieces are in motion, right? Like, the the ball is not constantly rolling forward. It is just kind of like, I mean, things are happening, but it doesn't feel like much is changing besides, like, they're on a rampage and people need to stop them. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's yeah. a there's a significant stretch, you know, just in terms of how this ends. Um, Carnage captures Venom at one point. He's torturing him, talking about his dad a lot. And uh, and eventually Venom gets freed Um Obviously, they stop everyone. I, how do they? What even happens to Carnage at the end of this? I don't remember. Uh, they just team up better, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. like genuinely. It's like Black Cat comes back and like kicks him in the back. Black uh, Cat, and, 
is it gets oh, particularly oh, no, it's, savaged it's, it's, by uh, well, symbiotes during this time. Well, the whole team gets destroyed because, like, at the beginning of this, um, Dagger got killed, supposedly, and then Dagger has been recuperating in Cloak's cloak. And That's she right. shows up again, That's she right. blasts everyone with the power of light, and then there's literally some of those, like, Stan Lee sentences about, like, they have so much hatred inside of them, the light is the antithesis of hatred, so yeah. it is harmful to them, and so, you know, they all, like, crumple because they've been blasted with Dagger's light or whatever. Um, but then there's like one final fight between Carnage and, uh, oh, and then Ven- yeah, Venom tackles Carnage into like an electrical, uh, station and, uh, the whole thing explodes and that's how they, you know, they beat Carnage and Venom slinks off, uh, everyone thinking he's dead, something like that. Cool, cool, cool. Yep, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, read Carnage, this, it's... I read this 12 hours ago and I'm just kind of like, all right, what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. wild. Yeah. I I would be curious to hear from some in the fan, like in the in the Slack in the My Marvelous Year Slack like those of you who have affinity for this you know nostalgia based or otherwise kind of yeah, I, I guess I'd be more curious in the non nostalgia based otherwise yeah, yes yeah, exactly right. yeah, especially someone who's not just like I don't know I think Carnage is uh, kind of a cool design because like I get that but like I, yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious if there's and I'm not more like to this again like just to the for, the framing questions like I'm not inherently opposed to. Like I think those I think those first Carnage issues are pretty good. I like that. Oh, uh, that yeah. creation I don't know. story. I, I, I'm opposed to Carnage. I'm pretty anti. Just as a as a concept, as a yeah, what, it at, just hasn't. I mean, just it, it just least... doesn't work, or like you don't like you don't like serial killers. <laughs> like, what's your deal? Both, I guess. Like, I don't yeah. think it particularly works in just the kind of like mad. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I I don't love Joker stories where it's just like, and Joker's killing ninety five people. You know, like he escaped and he just killed. See, so but many like people, there's like, a way. Like like soft targets is a Gotham Central story by Brubaker and Rucka and Michael Lark that mm. is a Joker on a rampage. Oh, I'm sure I'm story. sure it exists and, and it it's works great. Yeah, yeah not yeah. not because of the because of the implications and because of the scariness of that, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and there's a way to do it that is extremely. Effective. Oh yeah, I've read that. That's actually really good. Yeah, yeah. But that's you know, great. that's like so on the ground that you're just like, and they're just dealing with the aftermath of it, right? It's so grounded in the actual like the the violence being committed. Right in a in a very real human way from the perspective of real humans that you know you can feel that yeah uh, I mean Maximum well, Carnage not the is, case. does anyone yeah. aside from Cloak does anyone actually get harmed in the making of Maximum Carnage you know and Cloak turns I mean, out not is, is not fine besides by the end just random you know like here's two people out on a, a drive through that's what I mean like nobody yeah. nobody with any character or any sort of story built up so it it just has no and even when impact, they do really. kill them it feels very like it's it's weirdly like bloodless. For the most part, you know, it's just, yeah. it's very strange. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. We, we jumped over it, but I kind of want to, I mean, we have to talk about the, uh, what I think is the best part, the best comic we write here. And I'm really yeah, glad we sure. added in. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 200. Um. Oh, <laughs> sorry. As an aside, we forgot to mention, Peter Parker's parents are alive. <laughs> 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 it's uh, it's yeah. thrown in here and it, it has already happened. I will say, are, are we going to read the conclusion to this, Dave? I think it's next year, 1994. This gets concluded. What's going on? Uh, I mean, probably not. Why? Well, because I could just say what what's going on and just kind of tell people. I what's think because we're gonna, you know, because it kind of ties into like some Clone Saga stuff. I think that okay. might right. might be relevant. Let's save it. Let's save it for the Clone Saga. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. Uh, it, it's about probably what you think is happening. <laughs> um. Anyway, his parents are alive and living with Aunt May, which is really confusing because at some point in this, he's just like, he's talking about why he doesn't want to give up his secret identity. And he's like, all the people around me would be in danger. Aunt May, my parents. And I was like, your parents, what are you talking about? All right. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, someone here just must have forgotten that Peter Parker's parents are dead. <laughs> like, That'd be a very like, funny continuity mistake. Yeah, it, it would. Yeah. But no, it's because they're. And then, like, he actually <laughs> can went you imagine? Can you imagine the writer of Batman being like, "Oh no, I forgot! I wrote his parents into the scene." <laughs> and and well, and then the the next thing is he he goes to visit Aunt May, and there's two people sitting at the kitchen table who are both like, "Oh, Peter's Peter and his marriage. I wonder what's going on." And I was like, "Huh, Aunt May's got like new roommates." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, the the, the thrust behind this it's the conclusion. Of the Harry Osborne as Green Goblin arc, uh-huh. here, right? And Harry is being driven a little insane. He's incredibly sweaty, and <laughs> you know what? I, I gotta. I, I want to credit. Uh, He's drawn so sweaty. Love it. Selvashem is doing great artwork here. I love the uh, the style of this whole thing, and the colors mm-hmm. really work well. Bob Sharon mm-hmm. on colors. Um, 
The way he draws sweat on Harry Osborn all the time is it's kind of disgusting. <laughs> it looks like his forehead is coated with like wax or something. It's really Yeah, yeah. Insane. It is so it is very viscous sweat. It is thick coming mm-hmm. down his forehead uh, as he is clearly going through some some serious mental instability. I love this issue. Um mm-hmm. I think yeah. the you know you talked about let's give Sal Buscema some credit. Like the opening panels of this, like the nine panel goblin approaching and then just like smirking and, and gleefully and saying Mary Jane as he approaches her like mm-hmm. great visuals I love it I love that sort of Watchmen-esque you know camera zoom out zoom in type stuff um, mm-hmm. this issue opens with the Green Goblin capturing Mary Jane Peter Parker's wife taking her to the bridge where Gwen Stacy died and then Harry taking off his mask sitting down <laughs> and having a heart-to-heart conversation about the yeah. way things used to be it is such a smart good turn by DeMattis to not do the Sam Raimi Spider-Man thing, ironically, right? Which is, you know, a movie we just rewatched and did an episode on of, oh, let's just replay this with Mary Jane and Spider-Man now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And instead just saying like, okay, what would the, but how would this actually be different for Harry? Harry, who is uh, suffering severe mental instability, is has taken on the Green Goblin mantle for some time since his father died, has so much affection for his father's legacy, will not believe that Norman Osborn was the murderous Green Goblin, despite the fact that this is like a well-known thing. You know, he's just like, I want to honor my father's legacy. And he's just, and, and, but he also, at this point in time, you know, Harry Osborn has a wife, Liz Allen, and a son, little Normie. And uh, so he's got a family too. <laughs> and I, I just, that setup is like, hey, <laughs> this isn't, name- the name Normie cracks Little me Normie, up. yeah. <laughs> what a Normie. <laughs> yeah, love Normie. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just like, it's such a good setup of being like, yeah, this isn't going to play out the way all those other Spider-Man stories mm-hmm. did, yeah. right? We're doing something yeah, different. We're, we're really tapping into more the relationships and the history and the dynamics between these characters as opposed to the the violence and the expectation of a beat-em-up, you know? Which is kind of what Peter Parker is trapped in is like the only thing he knows to do is to punch a Green Goblin. And yeah. that's not the answer yeah. here, you know? Yeah, and Mary Jane is the one who's trying to, you know, like, soften that and con- convince both him and Harry that, like, violence, you know, won't, won't lead anywhere and also won't lead, like, where they want to go, right? Like, she can kind of tell, like, Harry ultimately would, like, rather reconcile with Peter and Peter the same, but both of them are so, you know, mad at one another uh-huh. and have this this history that they, they can't see past that, Um I also really like it, it. It really sells the 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 feeling of you know like having somebody in your life that you're just watching make mistakes and like and just waiting and like holding your breath to be like no just come on come on yeah. like you don't have to do this again because there's just there's a couple moments of that where like Harry is just at a tipping point where it's just like he could he, like he's so close to coming back to them right and right. then he dives in again and like loses his mind and gets abusive I mean he's he's very abusive physically abusive to uh, to Liz Osborne. Yeah, I think um, for a character who famously, you know, had a drug addiction, at one, yeah. has a drug addiction, it doesn't just go away. Um, there's definitely, I think, a metaphor, potentially an allegory here of yeah. the Green Goblin, you know, manifesting as as sort of an addiction. I think with Harry, the thing that I, one of the story beats that I love the most, and I'm actually kind of disappointed it doesn't have legs beyond this, is so after the heart to heart. And kind of, you know, Peter's like, he punches him, like, get away from my wife. But then Harry's like, yeah, I'm not going to fight you right now. Um Harry starts just sort of flying around as the Green Goblin, like fairly openly and approaching people as the Goblin, like J. Jonah Jameson and going to him being like, hey, we're going to host a a gala. (laughs) I'm going to start I'm going to start a foundation. And he kind of starts doing just this like I am openly the Goblin Mm -hmm. and I have power and wealth and influence so I can do that. And there's this really interesting thing where, okay, society's like, oh, crazy supervillain dressed up in a mask. What an evil guy. But then it's like, oh, but he's wealthy and has a lot of money and power and he's just going to do that? Okay. And like, there's an acceptance to the deranged behavior that feels kind of familiar, <laughs> like like with politicians yeah. and stuff where it's, and just people of wealth and power where it's like, they can kind of start to get away with stuff as deranged as wearing the Green Goblin suit out. I mean, J. And- Jonah Jameson even is just like, yeah, he did some crazy stuff, but like... He's still the son of Norman Osborn. He was yeah. a business leader. Yeah. <laughs> like, he still got, you know, that legacy is still very important. Right? Like, why didn't more people show up to the funeral? Right? Like, him and, and Robbie are talking about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that very interesting. Yeah. And then simultaneously, 
what Harry is doing is he's not actually over his hatred of Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Um, he's also trying to drive Peter increasingly insane. He's just like mm-hmm. staring at him outside of windows and stuff. Um, he tells Peter at one point, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to attack you now, but I'm going to drive you nuts. But and it then might tomorrow, <laughs> but it might tomorrow and you'll never know when it's coming. And five, 10 years from now, I might kill you. I might give up your identity. And he's basically just like, I'm, I'm going to slowly ruin your life kind of thing. Um, and uh, it's a it's an effective menace because Peter also doesn't like he, it's also Harry Osborn it's also his best friend you know so he doesn't yeah. quite have the same recourse but both that of he them would. are forgetting that that's like the real like interesting key part to this is like yeah. both of them are kind of forgetting about their friendship to one another and Mary Jane's the one just there trying to like continually remind them okay so I, I think I, I'm with you I think this is really good and it just it, and the whole thing is really excellently composed looks great. Mm-hmm. I think the dialogue sells it, the the facial expressions that Bushema is doing. My only complaint is the very end of it, like, there's there's a character turn that it just doesn't sell to me, which is that Harry, Harry and Peter are fighting in this building, and they're like, Harry's basically admitted defeat and just being like, this, this is it, you know, I, I can't. I can't forgive you. I can't move on. And he triggers a bomb to go off in the building. And he, like, paralyzes Peter. Yeah. Oh, by um, the way, he's wired the city with bombs. <laughs> he's not, oh, yeah. He's not actually as uh, as generous with his planning here and his foundation as as believed. Yeah. So he, he, but he wires this building with bombs, and uh, he's going to set it off. And then all of a sudden, they realize that Mary Jane and little Normie are in the building. Right. And uh, and Peter's like, go, oh, you have to save them. I can't. And he's like, I, I can't. I'm not a hero. And Peter talks him into being able to do it. He rushes, he saves Mary Jane and Normie. And the thing is, like, he's never had any ill will towards them, right? So that that makes he, sense, right? He like, seems he still to, has... he's very pro-family in this. He's not Norman Osborn. Like, he actually cares about his wife and kid. He cares about his wife and kids. Yeah. He cares about Mary Jane. Like, they, they reminisce a bunch. Yeah. Even if it is somewhat, like, Mary Jane is somewhat trying to, to placate him. But, you know, she is talking about the good old days with him. Um, yeah. And trying to get him to have some perspective. Anyway, he saves them. She's outside. Mary Jane is like, Harry, you have to go in and save Peter, right? Like, you, you have to do this. And he runs in or he glides in and glides out and saves uh, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man's like, why did you do it? And he's like, we are best friends after all. And then he dies. That turn? I have no idea where it came from. I, yeah. I went back to read it and I was like, did, did I miss something in their previous conversation about, like, where he had a, a moment where, like, his heart changed here? Because the entire issue has been about trying to pull harry back from this right. edge right and like he just keeps going farther and farther and like everyone's just trying to, to they see the the harry that they know is inside of him they're trying to pull him back and at the end he comes out but like it's based on nothing and i don't see any of that change and it killed me oh it was it was such a, a bummer of an ending for me um i don't know did, did that strike you the same way or is this just me being a, no. a, a little i don't think you're totally maybe? off i think if if anyone gets credit it's mj right because mj mm-hmm. definitely tried to have like she plants these seeds she has these conversations with harry and tries to remind him you know of the relationship that that he and peter had and kind of what what they want and what they want it to be i mean i think the best way to read it is mj plants those seeds and just in the state of adrenaline and the rush of like kind of returning to his senses for a brief period of time harry remembers his friendship only there at the end i don't think you're wrong that the comic kind of builds itself otherwise <laughs> to suggest he would not do this. Um, I, I don't mind. Like, I love I love that, like, in theory, right? Like, I love the idea of, like, his final yeah. moment and he, you know, he comes around. But it, that, that's a very classic, uh, you know, framework here, right? Like, It feels like the sort of story he... that would have already been told by now, too. Like, it feels yeah, like sure. this story would already be a part of the Spider-Man mythology, I think, because it feels so ingrained that, like, oh, yeah, this is how Harry dies. Is he... He's goblin, but he remembers himself, and then he saves Peter. You know, mm-hmm. like the fact that that happened in 1993 is actually, I would say, surprising. Yeah, it's it's just that it doesn't like. I, I just don't see the moment where he he you know like actually comes back to himself and makes the decision. Right, he just changes. But yeah, which you know whatever it, it, it is. It is a small a small nitpick here, but it's just because I think the rest of the comic works at such a high level. That that last moment just uh, falls a little flat for. Him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but a small complaint in an otherwise I think excellent comic. 
Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's definitely yeah. the the one to read from this list today, um, which was good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad the club uh, bullied me into including it because uh, it's mm-hmm. it was definitely yeah. the best one here. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for the Symbiote Spectacular 1993 Part One. Can, can I tell you something really exciting? Sure. We read 21 issues for this batch, which is a lot for us. So we we haven't done that in a while. Sure. Um, read that many. Next uh, part two. You know how many we got there? Ooh, I'm going to guess 11. Ooh, a nice even 10. 10. Feels, feels real nice to me. So we've got, a, uh, got an issue of X Factor. We've got uh, Cable's first miniseries starting up, five issues mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. and a Deadpool miniseries, his first own miniseries called That's The Circle right. Chase. Any That's idea right. about that? Is that, uh, that good? <laughs> yeah, I have several ideas about that. <laughs> okay. Is, is this going to be just a little a sneak preview? Is, this, is Deadpool going to be uh, the Deadpool we know at all here? Or is this still very like '90s Deadpool, where he's just kind of cable? Uh, but it's still maybe a it's still '90s Deadpool, but okay. it's gonna it's gonna start getting there a little. It's gonna okay. start getting there a little, um, okay. which is which is I think mostly what the conversation is gonna be. So yeah, that'll be '93 Part Two. That's coming next and, week. Uh, uh, if you like yeah. the podcast, definitely subscribe. Check out uh, you know keep getting these these issues. If you want to see the comics we're reading, you can find them in the show notes or. If you back us over at patreon.com slash my this year, you can get access to the full spreadsheet, um, which is uh, is going to have some modern updates coming for the years uh, 2011 to 2020 in the nearest yeah, future. Exactly. I don't know exactly yeah. when, but uh, but it's going to happen. So keep your ears attuned for that. But otherwise, I'm Dave. You can find myself at compacherald.com at compacherald pretty much anywhere online. He's Zach. You can find him at my marvelous year Parlor, on social. Dave? Anywhere what? online, including Parlor. <laughs> which wow. one's parlor is that a dating app it's people who uh they they no, no it's the twitter for people who are like have you been deplatformed for your your, mm. your views and the rest of the world mm, yes yes yeah. uh no i have not i have not had my platforms dewormed yet so i'm not on parlor but uh, I, that's that's where i go to uh to i mean basically all of my opinions i'm too scared to put them on twitter so i do go to parlor you're <laughs> you, you show up in parlor and you're like all right, finally, Simonson's Thor. I don't get it. I don't enjoy it. And everyone's like, "Yes, that's why we came to." And, and everybody there does say, "Like, you know what? Like, this is against our principles, but you're canceled." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> first me. person canceled on Parlor. Love it <laughs> <laughs> for Simonson <laughs> tweets. Oh, that's good. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Um, music for the show is by Disaster Piece. We are sponsored by Manscape. Go to manscape.com. Use discount code MY at checkout for twenty percent off. And thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next year. See you next year. Good.